Greetings, everybody. Today, we have the pleasure of sharing with you our 18th Costa Rica Pura Vida Lifestyle Podcast Series episode that deals with the daily life in Costa Rica and the many questions that arise when thinking about moving here, visiting here for a while, how one acquires their legal status, and so much more. Becoming a resident of Costa Rica is an involved process. More and more individuals and families are thinking about it now, and they're actually starting the process. Many people are moving to Costa Rica this year. There seems to be so much stress and a need for change in one's lives of many all over the world. And Costa Rica seems to be that Pura Vida lifestyle oasis, a land of tranquility and easy, laid-back lifestyle that everybody wants for, a strong desire for a more sane and peaceful life for all who cares to make it happen. Today and throughout the coming months, I'm going to be spending some time with Kevin McNamee. He's the representative for Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts. He and his team have helped hundreds of people in acquiring their legal status and everything that's involved in the process for many years. He's an expert, he's a professional, and a perfectionist when it comes to his business, and I'm really happy to have him here with us today. We're recording a series of Q&A type episodes, and each episode is going to address and answer maybe three to five questions regarding the residency process, what you can expect when living in Costa Rica, and other topics that should cover just about every question you've ever, ever thought about in the daily life that you're going to experience here in paradise. You're going to learn about how to begin the process, how the entire procedure works, the time frames, and so much more. And most important, you're going to meet a new friend in Kevin who will indeed have your best interest at hand when you allow him to work hard for you. Kevin, I say welcome to you for our, oh, what is this, our 18th time. We appreciate your spending a few minutes with us explaining what you know and what we need to find out about Costa Rica. Well, I'll tell you everything I know about Costa Rica and the immigration process, uh, plus anything else you really want to know, and it won't take long. Well, which means wonderful. <laughs> we have a lot of questions that have been sent in by a lot of listeners, and I'm really excited to say that we probably have enough fuel to last for the next uh, five years. <laughs> we have over 100 questions here and more coming in every day. Kevin, in our first 17 episodes, we discussed your personal history here in Costa Rica and how you got started in the business, and we also touched on many other important points. We reviewed the three main types of statuses and how one determines what status to pursue and why one needs to even think about obtaining their legal status in the first place. We went through many of the necessary things to think about, how to start a bank account, how to get your pet here, does one need to learn Spanish, and so much more. And there's so many questions that come up in the course of one learning more about a country that they may live in for the rest of their lives. So I don't think we're ever going to run out of questions, and there's no silly or stupid question. And we do appreciate your thoughtful answers to the simplest of questions that we're going to ask of you today. And we're here with our many listeners, and they're all eager to hear what you have to say. So we're going to get started. Kevin, um, yesterday we talked about the immigration process and why it's so difficult and why it's so expensive and why it takes so long. And within a period of seven or eight minutes, you definitely um, turned everything around for us. So now we know it's, it's not difficult. It's less expensive than we thought. 
and it doesn't take too darn long. So, so here's another one. If my application is rejected for any reason, can I appeal or resubmit a new application? Yes, there's, a, there's actually two questions in a sense there. What would the reason be for a rejection? The process is we submit the paperwork. They accept it. Then it goes through review. Then it goes past the lawyers who look at it from a legal aspect. So at any one of those phases, there could be an objection, which they say, please renew or replace document number four, which then stops your process. And if you don't get it renewed or you don't do it on a you know, timely manner within the months of, of the, your notice, they could, they could close down your, your application they do. They can do it. They very seldom do it, but they can. That would be a simple matter of either working with them to submit the document that was in question again, or if it's been a, a long lapse of time, uh, we just start the process again. Now, the touchy one is if your if your application was refused for a bona fide reason. And that would be, for example, a conviction of a serious crime. Serious being, you know, we're talking not jaywalking on a Sunday afternoon or feeding the birds too many breadcrumbs in the park type thing, but it's serious by assault battery, uh, on and on. If they reject it, you could appeal and ask. That, or point out that there was extenuating circumstances or that you had been uh, given an amnesty or uh, whatever the word is for the, the charges haven't been changed or dropped or, or sealed and such. But it's a one uh, case by case is the best way of putting it. Uh, you probably will not get rejected for any reason. And if it is, reject it, you can appeal. Uh, we'll, we'll advise you whether we see there's any hope for you or not, in all honesty. But long before long before the process would have finished, you'll know that you're going to get approved. Sort of a sort of an ambiguous type answer, but I want to I don't want to terrify people by saying I got a 60% chance of not getting it because I jaywalked when I was 15 or something like that. It's got to be a serious reason for them. A simple, a, a non-serious reason would be, and we had one just recently where the man submitted his application himself to immigration. While he was gathering his documents here, it rained and his table got rained on. And on the table was his apostilled FBI report. They rejected his whole application because it was not in pristine condition. So uh, they take they take the word serious, but it, that was an exception. And when we did his process, his his that was several two months ago. We've already been advised that it's been approved, that uh, the paperwork has been approved. So that's that's the kind of situation we're at, we're up against. 
Well, I think the moral of that story is, is simply to keep your paperwork dry, huh? Keep your window shut. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Kevin, uh, can you explain why some types of statuses can be applied for electronically? And is that a, a new updated process that is uh, is available to everybody? Well, you know, that, that also sort of bleeds into the question yesterday where why does it take so long? The government realizes, immigration realizes that it's to their benefit to have people happy and not complaining and bitching and coming back and forth, back and back and back. Where's my application? Where's my application? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what they have, what they have started in the last year is both pensionado and retista statuses can be applied for electronically. We take the paperwork just as we normally would have done. We open a file electronically with immigration. We get the okay to submit the paperwork. They view the paperwork. It's a very cut and dried process because when we submit, let's say a marriage certificate, it will say received. There's no avenue for explanation or there's no little PS, please note I've been married seven times before. Do I need doc you know, there's none of that. It's straight, straightforward, received, not received, or acceptable, not acceptable. So this really does speed up the process because you're not talking warehouses full of applications. And we're talking seriously warehouses full of applications that had in the in the days of yore. So, yes, we're looking forward to that, not only pension out and retista, but eventually resident investor status will have to go the same route. At the moment, we can get a, an appointment to submit the paperwork for pension and retista. Within, a, within two weeks, we have the, the date that we sit in front of the machine and, and submit the paperwork. The investor status up to about a month and a half ago, we were getting an appointment time because it had to be done physically now. Now we're talking about making an appointment and going down to the immigration department on the behalf of the client. But we were getting December 2022 as the date to submit, the date of the appointment to submit the paperwork. So you can imagine what happens in the interim? I mean, well, you can stay here because you uh, you got your application in process, or you got a receipt indicating that you're trying to get in. Now we've seen that date shorten uh, up to June of next year. Now uh, they they're doing something. They're they're pushing, or people have dropped the process or quit the process. But they are trying to also make that electronic. But there's there's a there's much more paperwork on the investor status because it's uh, a proof of the investment and on and on and on. And if it's a house you bought, is it in a corporation? If it's in a corporation, do you own the corporation? How do you prove you own the corporation? What if it's a corporation? What are your projected incomes for the next seven years? Uh, you don't have any income? Well, get a CPA to write us a letter saying that there's no on and on ad, ad nauseum. But so it's uh, to answer the quick question. Yes, two of the three are electronically now. And the third will be probably, I was going to say within the end of the year, but uh, it just won't happen that fast. So uh, they are they are trying to 
grease the skids, make sure that happens also, because it's to their benefit too. Uh, in days of yore, when we had to physically uh, had to physically go to immigration, you literally got in line at 4:30 on behalf of the client and stood in line as it moved on through to 10 or 15 wickets that they're accepting the paperwork. Then you go back to the end of the line and try to submit a second application because you could only only submit one application at a time. The the COVID stopped all that. They closed immigration, as you know, for three, four, five months, I think it was. They opened it up again for mention out and retaces because we're doing it electronically. And they cut the staff at, at immigration by 75%. And they did that on behalf of immigration because they wanted 100% closure of the investor status and immigration said no we have people that, that actually have paperwork in process so they said okay because we don't want a high density people here you can have 25% of your original staff here that's why we got the extended long uh, waiting periods for to get appointments and such but as COVID starts to toe the line and we've been advised that they're working tremendously hard to get the the everything electronically. And we look forward to that day also. Well, that's great. Kevin, when you submit our application to immigration, can we get our original documents back from immigration after they've inspected them? Good question. Yes. Yeah. If you are doing a pensionado or rentista application, of course, remember we scan them now and we send them to immigration and they accept them. That's as a bit of an aside here, that's why we have so many small, new small charges. And that is because in order to submit a document that they usually be used to be able to physically see and see the signature and such, they now need to have an electronic notarized or a notarized electronic signature by the lawyer saying, yes, that's not only his signature, but it is the applicant's signature and it is the spouse's uh, of the applicant's signature. And our agent that is doing the, the paperwork submission, because he creates the, the formal application for on behalf of the client, he has to have his signature notarized. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's it's not time consuming. It's just uh, another step in the in the process that we have to do. But it's uh, it's it's the pluses are, are 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 definitely on our side with the electronic applications. Not not uh, not totally simple, but like our chap that we use constantly says, when you do a couple hundred, you, you know, he exaggerates. But in, in the last. Uh, four, five, six months, he's probably done 40, 30, 40, 50, I don't know. And uh, it, it's, it's doable and, and uh, he, he knows the system very well. We grew up with it. Why do so many of the documents required by immigration have to be copied and notarized by a lawyer? Well, very, very, very good. Just like I explained in the last question. The lawyer becomes your best friend in Costa Rica because there's literally very few things you can do in the country legally that doesn't entail the use of a lawyer. For example, you buy a car, 
it's a lawyer that does the transfer of title and such, not two people scratching their name and, and driver's license number on the back of a, of a ownership card. So the same thing with the person, they make the application or we make the application for them and they come into the lawyers. And what we do is we have the lawyer create a limited power of attorney allowing us to represent the client at immigration. Now, just as a bit of a side, all, all people should be aware of this. Never, ever sign a power of attorney that is not limited. I mean, it has to expressly say, in this case, for in our case, say, allows our man, David, da, 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 to act on behalf of an interest of client number, blah, 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 blah. And his he signs that, the client signs it, and the, the lawyer notarizes both documents and such. And his own signature has, the lawyer's signature has been notarized. So it's all, it's all formal. This is not a, a immigration applications. It's not an informal uh, joke telling, back slapping, uh, process. It's very cut and dry. It's very serious, but the benefits are so great that it's, uh, in fact, there's no alternative. If you're going to live in Costa Rica, I probably asked, answered somebody else's question here already, but if you're going to live in Costa Rica, do it legally. Don't, don't, don't do the perpetual tourist thing. You literally have no rights in the in the country, period. You want to, you get, if you get to be a I was going to say, 50 cups in a bar, your chances are, who's at fault? We don't know. Do you have a legal status? Yes. Do you have one? No. The person saying no probably will be saying, okay, that's that's enough. You don't like your attitude anyway, so at the end of your visa, we won't renew it. That's, 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 I, I, divert, I digress here for a second, but it's it's important to know that the, the legal documents are very, very, detailed and very, very, have to be very, very accurate. And that's what, that's what you, the client is paying for. Kevin, we've covered a lot of topics here. We appreciate your time so much more to do, and we are going to get more involved with the, uh, the specific questions of the residency process, the meat and potatoes, so to speak in the next many episodes. And I'm real excited to, uh, to be able to, be a part of all of this. Uh, we've posted Kevin's contact information and his website address on the program notes that are associated with this specific episode. And I really urge you to follow up with him through his contact us page on his website. I'm also going to post today's recording of our Q and a session on his website as well, down at the bottom, when you're ready to have all of your questions answered and your concerns addressed, Kevin and his team are standing by to get started with your pathway to a new life in one of the happiest countries on the planet. By the way, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to our first 17 conversations with Kevin regarding residency and everything about the life in Costa Rica. Again, all the links are posted at the bottom of the homepage of his website at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving and if you like what you heard today, please share our Q&A session with uh, the link with your friends and family. And we'd love to share our knowledge with everyone who gets anything out of it. We'd appreciate your helping us out with that. Finally, if you come up with any specific questions of your own, any topics that you'd like Kevin to expand upon, 
let us know and send your request to my email address at Costa Rica good news at gmail.com. That's Costa Rica good news at gmail.com. Kevin, thanks again. We'll see you soon for our next conversation together, talking about everything you need to know about acquiring your legal status here in Costa Rica and so much more. You're welcome, Ontario, my friend. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. Thank you. Until next time.